0: I'd like to introduce my wife, Donna, and she's going to help me as we. um, I'll go up uh, uh, later, but. uh, Here, okay. You you can't see that? Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So we are um, with the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, and I'll let Donna uh, share about our years of ministry.
1: Yeah, we just realized we've been missionaries for 39 years, and we just praise the Lord for allowing us to serve him that long, and we plan to continue serving him
0: as long as we can.
1: Are you going to click it? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, this I can share my, my family oh. uh, Bible yeah. heritage was that my grandpa and uh, grandma were missionaries in the Congo, and uh, that's where my son just came back from, but... Uh, Uh, Grandpa was a doctor, medical doctor there, and and, uh, Grandma was a very spiritual woman. And they actually saw Christ working at the turn of the century through an evangelist in the tribe who was actually a prisoner of war from Ethiopia. His name was uh, um, Josepho. And other missionaries tell about Josepho coming and leading their tribes to the Lord also. Uh, all because of that. So I was impressed with the gospel. I had uh, another grandma I called her, but she was a babysitter. Grandma Sims taught me the, the uh, first book of Genesis and had me memorize that. And so I tied that with my grandfather's um, evangelism by Josepho, starting in John and referring to Genesis and explaining creation to them. But then I wanted to go to medical school. My father told me that he lost his faith in medical school because of evolution and so that was planted in my heart earlier and I was looking for a wife who would be godly and maybe help me get over evolution so we met in the Philippines Donna?
1: You could do that and tell the family.
0: Okay Uh, even before we were saved our God was uniquely preparing us for the ministry that we have as Peace Corps volunteers in the Philippines from 1968 actually we met in 69 we got married later that year and served for two more years in the Philippines as science teacher trainers. And here we are. All of those people in that picture became our good friends. They were members. They were in a uh, university teacher training that we taught, and they were members of uh, Silliman University uh, Baptist Church. So uh, I came back from the Philippines, or we did. And in 1973, a 12-year-old girl told me, Mr. Layton, you don't have to believe in evolution. And I praise God for, for Teresa, and we've kept in touch with her. And as a result of that, I got saved, uh, confessing Christ as creator and Lord and Savior. Uh, she gave me this book, Dr. Dwayne T. Gish, uh, Evolution of the Fossils Say No, and and I've learned since then that there are thousands of reputable scientists who believe the alternative creation science. And this movement is, is expanding. More and more secular people are aware that God. we believe God created everything in six days.
1: This is my part. <laughs> this is what we looked like when we left for the Philippines in 1981 for our first term of missionary service. And... This is what we looked like 35 years later. Here, I'll do it
0: again. There we go.
1: (gasps) And um, I'll introduce our children. Our oldest is Laura, and she lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and she has two of our grandchildren. Our son, Phil, is the second oldest, and he's our pastor in Shingle Springs, California. And Mike is our third born, and he lives in Pennsylvania, and he has six of our grandchildren. And our daughter, Lisa, recently moved with her husband from Southern California up to um, our area. And so, and she has five of our grandchildren. And all total, that means that out of these four children, we have 18 grandchildren. (laughs) Very blessed. And as Pastor mentioned, our son, Phil, just returned from the Congo. Um, where he taught pastors and, 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 and did an area church com- conference and it was special because that's the same country where his great-grandfather ministered more than 100 years ago. And also they have an adopted son from Congo, so I'll let you go Okay. Thank you.
0: So, yes. Thank you, Donna. And, and 1983 was our first church planting in the Philippines and, and the southern city of Davao there. And I'm going to give a a short recap of how God has worked in this ministry and then the biblical foundations of that in the message, the gospel begins before Genesis. And and we all know that and believe it. It's it's something that uh, uh, we've really experienced in all of these preparations. The pastor who worked with us the first term of ministry had a strong connection, not just in church planning, but also all of the universities in the city. And he said, Jerry, with your Peace Corps and training in teacher education, I can get you into all the universities. And he did. In one week, I went around to every single university in this, the, the, really the largest uh, city as far as, not per capita, but, but size. Uh, in the Philippines. And he has gone on to plant eight uh, churches there. And then in uh, 1986, we planted this church in uh, in Quezon City. And um, it has now become a sending church of Filipino uh, missionaries uh, throughout Asia. And that's important because uh, they connected with me starting in this conference in 1998 uh, God began clearly guiding us to this new ministry of creation evangelism and a lot of the people that I talk about later were greatly influenced at this conference of over a thousand young people experiencing God through nature and uh, certain ones came to me and they told me that uh, evolution had almost destroyed their faith in God and others told me that that uh, they were giving up science fields that their parents wanted them to follow because of evolution teaching that they thought was uh, destroying their faith, and so uh, I I prayed for all of those, and then uh, they were praying for me to go forth. And actually, in 1999, we began putting God back into the Philippine schools worldwide or nationwide, uh, traveling. Uh, to the farthest reaches, all of the major cities and major branches of the University of the Philippines system and beyond, teaching uh, that God is really in control and that evolution doesn't need to be believed. We developed a two-hour creation science symposium, God's open doors for evangelistic presentations in universities and schools. We find We know that that, uh, missionaries are doing this in South America. And wherever it's a a Catholic uh, predominant culture with a lot of Baptists there too, the Baptists get us into the schools and the the, um, administrators are very open to hearing what we give is a comparing creation science versus evolution. Not just refuting evolution, but comparing the two and giving Bible verses defending God's foundations of science and then explaining clear scientific evidences for a young earth and you see a group like this, I will pray for them at the end and lead them in a call to repentance and faith in the Creator. And then oftentimes an administrator who will come up, uh, sometimes a nun, and thank me for making this a non-religious presentation. And they are very open to the Bible uh, and, uh, in, in ways like this. So we began partnering with the local churches, the starting point, Creation Science Sundays, and then having the local pastors follow up in, in evangelism and leading these people into making decisions and becoming baptized. In 2005, we realized that we needed to start training people and we had our first cassette training uh, creation science evangelism training Institute and uh, those people are almost all engineers and some of them have gone to be with the Lord already but all of them that are still well they all continued uh, doing this and until now then as if you followed our prayer letters this is where it fits in uh, the don, Baptist Church headquarters in the very center of the country, Iloilo City. And actually this building was built, and they said um, they wanted their ministry partners to have apartments and science centers. So actually uh, we've had some pastors and friends come, and our apartment was up there. And down below we had a resource center along with a campus evangelism center beside us, And we are so thankful for those. This is our original team, and they are continuing all in one way or another with creation science, the alternative to evolution, and we praise God for that. So this ministry was turned over to them in in 2015, and we're uh, glad that they are continuing, and continuing to give a base For the Filipino missionaries who have gone out and invited us, and then ABWE missionaries that have invited us to other countries. And I'll just go through this quickly to show what God is doing around the world. In 2005 and 2006 in Thailand, and a comparative religion economics class, and they were very responsive and had a lot of questions about the origins of things. The first time in 2007, I preached in my bare feet. And they were kind to give Donna a little chair and table in the far back, which I didn't take a picture, or somebody didn't take a picture of. We spoke at William Carey Academy, where these are children from from, uh, Islamic and Hindu backgrounds, almost exclusively. And it's an ABWE school uh, training them for going to college in the United States. It's a teacher training. And uh, many of them were concerned uh, about how uh, they wanted to become Christians after they saw our presentation, and we just praise God for that kind of uh, thing. Now, in 2009, I went to Hong Kong and spoke at uh, uh, the International School and in the Theological College there. And my one of my greatest joys was preaching in 2011 at uh, the, as one of the Answers in Genesis spe- sponsored speakers to more than a thousand creationists from. Uh, 19 countries, and like I said, this, this movement is spreading, not just worldwide, but also here in America. And um, then since then, 2012, South Africa, where I spoke in, uh, I just, I just love that, and the schools uh, that I was able to speak in. And last, 2016, uh, with a man that my translator was trained with me at Answers in Genesis, uh, and I would say along with, with Mike Riddle, he was one of our trainers. And uh, uh, we did all of this in a week, 10 messages, praise God. And he just stood beside me and everything that I said, he just kept talking and I kept talking. And the people only heard him, I guess, on the, on the microphone. <laughs> so that was a great experience. And then I was able to go to a limited access country. And we praise God for this. This was with Answers in Genesis and doing the creation apologetics in uh, what are called underground churches which are way up high in uh, high-rise buildings. And there's me and my um, translator. She broke down in tears at one time because her father, her pastor, had taught her the gap theory that dinosaurs are uh, millions of years old in the gap. And... Uh, She couldn't finish the session and so afterwards we talked about it and uh, it ended up she was just so glad that she straightened, I straightened her out (laughs) and she said her dad was going to have me in uh, Singapore someday as his uh, church. So 2017, just last year we went back to the Philippines to uh, fill the ABWE Don't Rest Compound, seven guest cottages and recreation hall. This is where we, our family spent almost all of our vacations. It's in the High Mountains, uh, Mile High City, and uh, it was a wonderful place to uh, manage there. And during that time, I traveled four hours south to begin my first teacher training for Master's Seminary uh, Partnership. With mission, graduates who are missionaries going international to train pastors and churches in expository preaching, I found out that uh, the connection is really with churches. The Master Seminary Missionary Outreach uh, Training uh, Leaders, and they had me develop this: uh, the six days of creation. You see there. And just uh, working through that, uh, showing that each day of creation gives special gospel foundations on day one. Light was created before the sun on day two. Uh, the big splash instead of everything was created out of water and by water. Uh, not a big bang day three. Green foods were, uh, prepared for not just dinosaurs but all things. Everything was vegetarian. Day four, uh, expanding universe, and the sun, moon, and stars created after God created light on day one, of course. And then day five, creation biology. Everything is pre programmed variation within living things and, and kinds. In creation paleontology, dinosaurs lived with people. Amen? And that's what we uh, did in, in Sunday school. Uh, this last hour so. I spoke in this first one there were uh, six TMAI TMAI is the Masters Academy International, six students three professor, professors of those six students they have students all over the country but this, this is how many people came, 600 people uh, came to attend and I realized that this is, that's the picture of uh, what we'll be doing, the vision that we have Uh, for our upcoming. I went to uh, Singapore, the International uh, All-Asia Conference, who was attended by the Master Seminary grads all over Asia, and leaders of their host churches, and it turned out that when I went there, you know, I sang songs in Sunday school, I, I, I arrived in Singapore and all these pastors from the Philippines who hosted this program were singing, I don't believe in evolution. And uh, did we sing that at the end? I don't think so. (laughs) At the the TMAI meeting, uh, I met Philip Fernandez, who is a master seminary graduate and a close friend. He worked with um, Campus Bible Fellowship. And now he asked me to come back to Davao City where we started as missionaries. And actually I created that sign 35 years ago, it's still there on the church, and it's just amazing. Well, he promised that he would book me in the universities and schools, and he did. This was just last September, and the same thing is open. Uh, Master's uh, science classes and and, a whole high school and a medical school class full of these teachers from India uh, that are... Gathered by the pastor's wife, who is an MD and uh, works at the hospital, and, and all these people—they're not. There's only one or two professing Christians, but they all attend church on Sundays. Praise God for that. And a spin-off of that last, uh, just a few weeks ago, September 28th, I spoke in Richland to a group of Chinese who were engineers uh, attending a. Uh, Bible study of an APWE missionary Jim Latsko who is working in the um, Chinese Baptist church there and uh, we praise God for that Um, and uh, I gave that same seminar again so we are so thankful to you I thank God in all our remembering of you all always in every prayer of mine and ours for you all making our prayer with joy because of your partner in the gospel from the first day until now. And I, I believe that, that sums it up. Uh, we were here from the first day until now. And uh, I'm going to see if I can give a 15 minute sermon now. We'll do. We'll go from here. Uh, the gospel begins before Genesis. And Jesus tells us what he was doing and the, what the Trinity was doing before Genesis. Uh, when the triune God planned paradise, that's what's described in Genesis 1 and what we teach on now, and our eternal home. John 17, 5, after the Lord's Supper, first Lord's Supper, he said, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Jesus was there before the world began. This is translated sometimes before time began, before there was anything existing. And then we are told in Ephesians 1.4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. This was what was going on. This is the glory that Christ had with the Father. That he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Many people say, I don't know why God chose me. Well, this verse is so clear. It's that He would give us His Holy Spirit, that He would make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins by Christ's death and resurrection and to live holy lives by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit when, when we can continue to forsake our sins. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were planning our redemption before the beginning of time. Clear? It's so very clear. So we're going to go on from there. Uh, we will consider this in terms of God's covenant of redemption is the theological term. According to this doctrine, before time and creation, the father covenanted with the son to redeem a people for his possession. In broad strokes, the father would elect men to salvation, the son would accomplish this this salvation, and the spirit would apply it. So that was before time began. And R.C. Sproul uh, mentions this Uh, about this, that it is a matter of theological urgency that Christians not think of God as a ruler who ad-libs His dominion of the universe. God does not make it up as He goes along. He didn't just make it up on the six days of creation. He had a plan there and, and, and worked it out. The God of Scripture has no plan B or plan C for your life. His plan is from everlasting to everlasting. He has planned for you to be holy people if you have come into a saving knowledge of Christ. It is both perfect and unchangeable as it rests on God's eternal character, which is, among other things, holy, omniscient, and immutable. Amen? Amen. And so we know those things. And so questioning the historicity, the historical accuracy of Genesis 1... Or all of Genesis, which most Christians do in the world today. You'd be shocked to, to see the surveys about this. But the, it undermines the gospel. And here's why. The foundational of the knowledge of the gospel is that Christ created all things and Adam's sin led to death. And we're going to look at the four building blocks of the gospel as we go. But this is the first thing. Jesus is the creator and Colossians 1 describes Christ as creator and sustainer of all things as it says Genesis 1.1 in the beginning God and Colossians 1.15 says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn not meaning that he was born, He he had the preeminence, he is the one over all creation for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So clear, isn't it? The the God, the Christ who saved us, created all things. And in John 1.1, this is the verse that, Josepho, the evangelist of my grandfather, started out with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that was not made. And then uh, down in verse 14 it says, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So let's look, we're going to look at just this passage first of all, and then the rest of uh, Genesis one is framed just the same. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there." God saw. God said, "Let there be light," and it was. There was light, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So this defines a day in history, the first day in history, morning and evening. That means a day all through the Old Testament. Genesis 1 then, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So Christ was the light. How do we know that? We see that John uh, 9 tells us when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. He's the word of creation. He's the light that comes into, the, that creates physical light on day uh, one. And he said, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so the question is, uh, how could there be. No sun, moon, and stars. The answer is Revelation 21. God's going to do the same thing when he recreates the new heavens and new earth. I saw new heavens and new earth, John says at the end. And the city has no need for the sun, neither of the moon, to shine on it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb, the Lamb is the light thereof. So it's very clear God is demonstrating what his future home for us is going to be like, the celestial city. And then uh, we see gospel means good news. Paul says, I want to declare the good news to you. Well, it's declared first by Moses here in Genesis 1. I'll just go through this real quick. God saw the light, that it was good. And God separated the waters, and it was so. But then on day three, two times, he, he said God saw that the dry land was good, and then... God saw that the plants and vegetation was very good. And then on day four, he says again, God saw that the sun, moon, and stars were good. And he goes again. And, God, and verse five, day five, God saw that the sea life that he created and the, and the birds in the air, they were good. And on day six, God saw all the, the animals that he made and they were good. And then he creates man and he says, it's not good that man should be alone. The first time in his creation, something's not good. (laughs) And so what did he do? He created woman, and then God created man in his own image, and God saw that everything he made was, uh, uh, behold, it was very good. So remember husbands, we can't be very good without our wives, Uh, but it's a challenge uh, because of sin coming into the world since God said that his original creation was very good. Uh, Where did sin and death come from? And the answer is very clear. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So this is a missing ingredient. The main missing ingredient of those who think maybe God used evolution. No, there was no death. Death is what builds evolution. But God is a God of life. And... Uh, Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. They hid from God uh, with their fig leaves, and then they were eventually kicked out of the garden. It says in Genesis 3:22, the Lord said, "The man must not be allowed to take also from the tree of life and live forever in his sinful state." That was a act of mercy, removing them from the tree of the knowledge uh, of tree of life. And they lost their place in the garden. The Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And then he made the first sacrifice for sin, which Abel later copied and Cain was was furious about, that God, uh, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And so a a lamb died uh, outside the garden in order to to, uh, cover their nakedness and their sin and God promised them a future redeemer in uh, chapter 3 verses 14-15 God says I will put enmity between you serpent Satan and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head this redeemer will crush your head and you will just strike his heel and that's what happened what we see at the cross And then the power of the gospel is that this Jesus who is the creator of all things was able to die for all of our sins because he was a sinless lamb and he came into the world as God's son in the flesh and rose from the dead. The power, uh, the gospel relates two trees of death versus life. Uh, The tree of death in the garden, for in Adam all die when he ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The first Adam. Uh, So in Christ all will be made alive. And 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, talks about uh, him as the last Adam. And 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So this is one of the few places that uses the word tree for the cross to relate back to the tree that the first Adam died on so that he might die to sins and live, that's the resurrection, for righteousness. Paul emphasizes the importance of Christ's resurrection in this, that he, the, um, the gospel is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, but then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is part of the gospel and the power of the gospel because that he appeared First to Cephas and then to all of them. And uh, back in Genesis, resurrection faith was pictured by Abraham's willingness to uh, sacrifice Isaac, his only begotten son. Does it sound familiar? Here, Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 19 says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And there was no indication in that story as you read it that he's not... Planning. He says, I I and my son will come back to you. He he knew that God would do something. He had faith. Genesis 20, verse 16 says, Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, only begotten son, I will surely bless you. And here's the gospel to all nations through your offering, all nations of earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so uh, here we see that promise extended to us. And Genesis ends then with a, a wonderful account of, of Joseph going through every imaginable suffering. We can't even imagine the suffering he went through because of his brothers and it illustrates a, a, a faith in God's sovereign plan in his life. Genesis 45, verse 4. Joseph appeared to his brothers and he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. And look at what's happened. Now I'm, I'm number one in Egypt and I can rescue you and my family. Because of all that happened to me. And he says, verse, chapter 50, verse 19. Don't be afraid... Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is not being, now being done, the saving of many lives. Again, we see the gospel in his thinking. What has happened to me is for the good. And where we see this in gospel living, maybe you thought of this, Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, and the the um, the pastors' conference that Pastor Kyle and I were at, uh, the the version that the pastor read there, he he preached the whole week on this this verse, <laughs> and his verse was translated. We know that God that God works all things together for good. That's one way to translate this, and that's what Joseph learned, and so the final point here is that the hope, our hope is the restoration of all creation through Jesus Christ. When he comes again, uh, the lion will lay down to the lamb the whole list. My, my son Phil just preached on this last Sunday in Isaiah, and so it's real fresh in our mind. And in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And we see the light coming right out of the city. The light for this city will not come from the sun, but from the throne and from Jesus himself. And why is it important then to teach Genesis' true history of the earth and of the universe? And Jesus says this in John 3.12, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He says this in John 3.12. What follows that? A very well-known verse. John 3.16. Together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So our redemption, that plan of John 3.16, was made, as we see, before the foundation of the world. And so all creation, God's creation, declares this. Our sovereign creator, God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46 says, I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet seen, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. All my purpose. That's essentially how Genesis ends in the words of Joseph. That all these things work together for God's good purpose. And he says in Revelation, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen? Amen. And so here is my benediction we, from Second Thessalonians 2. But we are bound to give thanks to, you, to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To which he called you by our gospel, that's our gospel collectively, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus prayed for that glory that he had before the foundation of the world because that's the glory that he's reserving for us with him in glory. And so now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. So Father, we do thank you and and, uh, thank you that uh, you, the Father and our, your Son and the Holy Spirit who now is with us and dwells in us made this plan before the foundation of the world. Thank you that all of the forces of, of hell and sin cannot thwart your purpose because it was established forever. And so we just thank you and bless us as we uh, pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.